Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all. How's it going, Ryan? Good, Jason. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, how was your uh, trip? You uh, you went camping, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, kind of my first time doing that Canadian pastime thing. I'm not really. <laughs> I look. I may look Canadian, whatever the hell that means. But okay. I mean, I don't play hockey. Um, I don't camp. I don't eat beaver okay. tails. I don't <laughs> ski or snowboard. Um, okay. I don't. I don't listen to Rush or Brian Adams. So I'm. It's it's weird. <laughs> It's weird for me to do these um, these manja cake things, right? And it's funny because yeah, okay. we went with a. It's funny because I was like the only Canadian born uh, okay. on the trip, except for my daughter, uh, but okay. my wife's not from here originally, and her friends are from uh, different parts of the world, and yet they were the type of people that you know camp three, four, five times a year. They're experts. They know how to grill like amazing food. They know how to put up a tent in like five okay. minutes. They yeah. know how to get uh, potted or potable water going. I mean, they just know everything, <laughs> right? So I was in really good hands, and it was it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you're were really you were really there sleeping yeah, in go. a tent, or are you guys yes. like in a cabin or something? Okay, straight no, in a no, tent. No. Yeah, straight okay. in a tent. Yeah, yeah, it was tent with an air mattress and okay. Yeah, okay. I guess the next step of glam is like to get like an RV or a camper. And then okay. I guess a step below what we did was to do, I don't know if you ever heard of like portaging where it's just you in a boat and you oh yeah go to like a campsite and just eating like beef jerky and, and gin or, or <laughs> vodka. Like you, you really just have the clothes off your back and it's just you okay. and the elements for yeah, that. I don't think I could do, but. <laughs> so portaging i recall from like some you know in, in grade six social studies and stuff because like yeah. you learn about canadian culture and geography and history and they bring up all these kinds of stories you know going to the, the woods and you see the wolves and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff never done it i've never been camping it's just uh i don't think i ever will um it's you're right like i went to a cottage i was one of my dad's clients back when uh, i was uh, it was um it was actually the day of or before uh, Yokozuna and Lex Luger, like around then, it was like SummerSlam. How the so, hell I remember that? Okay. Well, I knew that because I was eager to figure out what happened. Because I think it was like I was getting back Sunday night, and I was going to try mm -hmm. and figure. I think that's what it was. Uh, it was like kind of you know end of summer before school. So yeah. all I remember was like we were only going there just day trip. We weren't staying over. So oh, I remember okay. like being on a boat and. I maybe my parents knew that there's no way we could handle uh, being there, or maybe we were only invited. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but uh, the boat, you know, it's supposed to be fun. Everybody, some people just love this stuff. You're in the water and it's speeding, mm -hmm. and all I kept thinking was, it's windy and these waters like splashing and blowing, coming into the boat and it's blowing yeah. in my face. I didn't. I didn't like it. Um, yeah, it's I, uh, definitely not for everyone. <laughs> my my advice yeah. is go with people like we did that a love it be are experienced yeah and they're just the ones that oh don't worry if it rains we got this covered oh don't <laughs> worry if a bear comes we have this infrared siphoning okay. thing I, I mean i just they, they, it's like these people are just prepared for everything right okay. i mean 
I mean, it's an Ontario provincial park, right? Like, what the heck's going to go wrong, right? But, okay. um, yeah, it wasn't okay. a private. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a private uh, campground. It was all done provincially, so you know there was okay. people around. It wasn't, you know, you're not, you know, this isn't uh, whatever those shows are, just Survivor Man or anything like that, right? You're okay. not just slumming it out there, but um, okay, yeah, okay. I was, uh, was going to say always, um, just. If you've never done it before, go with people who know just because yeah, of that risk of sure. getting lost. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always those stories. But if it's just like you're pretty much by the road, and like, I, but oh, again, I was, speaking... I was 15 minutes away from a Tim Hortons, okay. Canadian Tire, <laughs> and a supermarket, which okay. was just okay. fine by me. Because yeah, okay. that was great for me to get in my car and just go into town every morning. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, for anybody who's listening who does go camping in Oregon, I've heard of an app, What Three Words is the name of it. What Three Words is, uh, like, the three is a number. is supposed to be good for, like, giving coordinates, and it's just, like, it's mm. helped people who've gotten lost. And, you know, like, for example, if you're at a concert or if you're some campgrounds, like you described, and it's not like, you know, like, on Google Maps, it's like, oh, there's the Tim Hortons or there's the Best Buy. It's like you're kind of in this space. How do you really track where someone is? So what three words apparently can actually pinpoint your, your coordinates. Um, I've never used it. I've never needed to use it, but I was just, I was reading mm-hmm. an article about how uh, this would save people. But uh, yeah. anyway, that's like a bit of a public service announcement on, on my end, just, just laid low. I didn't, you know, like the kind of the COVID is still kind of a thing around here. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, there is even like an increase in infections in California. Now in my area, like again, I'm in the suburbs. I don't really see much going on. I just kind of lay low, do my thing, work at home, go for walks, go grocery shopping, and then come back. So to me, routine is generally the same. Um, People are, I mean, I know there's all that stuff out there you'll see like in social media about people not wanting to wear masks, but like whatever I see is just people just doing their, when they're out in shops, they wear masks. So we had one of our listeners, Brett from Toronto, who was asking our opinion on uh, um, on a few trade scenarios for Toronto. It was a, a Clutch Points article. The summary here is, okay, so the three players that were in the article was Joel Embiid, it was um, uh, Bradley Beal, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Which player do you think would make the most impact positively for Toronto? Or maybe if it's multiple, like break it down. And, and then I think afterwards we'll talk about the plausibility of it all. Like, cause I think that's one component that kind of was missing from that piece in my opinion. Um, yeah. So first of all, uh, thanks for the question. And, um, the three players, so it's always gone back to my theory when it comes to Toronto basketball that, um, we're never going to get the top American born player, um, ever signed for Toronto. But (laughs) the good news is, is basketball, the NBA is such a global game that, yeah, the best center in the NBA and the best maybe overall player in the NBA are are not American born. Um, and mm. you just listed two of them. I think Toronto's really hot for Giannis. Um, and I think the feelings mutual. I mean, I think there's the most the most smoke um, is with him, right? Right now, if I'm reading the tea leaves, um, he seems to be like the player that Masai is just hell-bent on getting. Um, mm. That'd be a big feather in his cap. I mean, he got Kawhi Leonard, you know, year, year and a half ago, two years ago, and that was a big coup. But to kind of do it where 
it's a mutual acquisition. Um, it would be a big feather in his cap and uh, it would be a big steal for Toronto. And, you know, we have a huge Greek community here in Toronto. Um, and it would just, yeah, I, I think he would be well, the best okay. for, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, just like, so he's, he's the best. Yeah. I should have, you know what? I should have put it aside for like, he's clearly the best. I mean, he's, 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 as a, he wasn't, he's the MVP. So I guess maybe, maybe the way I asked that question doesn't really make sense. Cause like for sure, if you can get Giannis, then you just do whatever you can, even if it means giving up Pascal, like you just get Giannis. That's like getting one of the top three players in the whole league for sure. You always do it. But it's not um, like, but it, but it's not like Bradley Beal would be this. Yeah. So that's what know, I want to ask you about. Those yeah, no, it's he'd be fantastic. But I want to say Toronto's gotten players like Bradley Beal before. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten, you know, we've gotten Jermaine O'Neal. We've gotten, yeah. um, God, who Tito else? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Americans though. So we've gotten oh, okay. like Rudy Gay. We've gotten oh, yeah. Jalen Rose. We've gotten so we've gotten a few kind yeah. of upper tier, former all-star, um, kind of those yeah. Bradley Beal players. And there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting those players. But to get a reigning MVP, um, to yeah. get a guy who, you know, they named an all-star team after him. It was Team Giannis against Team LeBron. I mean, this guy is clearly – the NBA sees so much in this guy that, um, you know, they're going to market him to that – extent well so he, for Toronto. it's because he won the the vote that's why the two vote getters so he's yeah like he's the oh i didn't know that i didn't even know that but okay yeah. well even if it just speaks to his popularity alone i mean this guy is is clearly a star right um yeah and you know toronto international city big greek community you yeah. know we get we get giannis um but Embiid would also be i mean he's you know we're going to talk about NBA bigs and just, you know, okay. today's player in, a, in another, um, in, 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 a, in, in future. And, you know, I, I think Joel Embiid's may go down. I mean, um, yeah, okay. I think he may go down as one of the best big men ever to play the game just because okay. of just his, his, his defense is just, I've never seen defense so stifling like his. You, know, um, you said Embiid? Yeah, I'm talking about NBA. Yeah. Okay. A guy that just gives every single player on the court fits. I mean, you switch up on this guy and doesn't matter yeah. if he's on a point guard. It's I've never sure. seen anything like that. So and, yeah, I think Embiid and Giannis, you're getting the two best maybe players in the NBA, but obviously Giannis, yeah. you know, it's he has more of that clout position, right? And and he's going to um he's he's got bigger shoes. So yeah, it would be a, a total um, steal for Toronto if they could get him. And, you know, everything I'm reading is that it's Toronto, Giannis. That's that's the guy we're going for. So, so we'll see. Okay. I'll come back to Giannis in a second. Just a, a quick close off Brad Beal. Because, like, in terms of effectivity, like, you're right. He, we've had players like that before. I know he gets touted a lot. And they're talking – before he signed his extension uh, last summer, they were – or I think it was before last summer – um, there was talk about um, how, yeah, like maybe the Lakers could get him or he could be like a real, like add him to the Clippers or whatever, any team that's just going to put them over and make him a favorite for the championship. And like, I get it, he's all NBA, but I mean, I don't know that he does anything exceptional. Like he's a great, I think, number three on a team, mm -hmm. you know, like a, like a Chris Bosch type of guy. Because um, his, his, the Wizards haven't really done that much. And you can, you can chalk it up to, a lot of other things about how it's managed and who they've had on the team, all that kind of stuff. But still, like, it's just 
I, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe, I think maybe winning changes perception and he hasn't really won that much, but, yeah. um, but like, I, I mean, I could see a situation where if you think about what you have on the right, like Brad Beal is still a straight up like threat. I mean, he's an all NBA type player. Anytime you have all NBA, we haven't had that many all NBA players when you look at it. So mm-hmm. if you can get them, like what you'd have to give up, you mean, you'd probably have to give up multiple of the young guys like Terrence Davis or like Fred Van Vliet. And you kind of think, okay, was well, that worth it? Well, the way Masai thinks it's, it's possible because it's not like, he hasn't shown that they can, they cannot draft or find undrafted guys and build them up. But it is hard to get guys like all NBA players, right? Like Fred Van Vliet's great. Terrence Davis has shown some promise. Chris Boucher shown some promise, but it's not like the odds are still against them making all NBA. So if you can get one, then you figure out a way to maybe get one. But he just signed like that one. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm actually kind of. I don't, I'm not necessarily sold because I think the Raptors already have a really strong team. And I think that like maybe it's minor pieces. I, cause I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm not sure that not Embiid. I think my concern is, and maybe it's less of a concern, but it's just, he's been injured quite a bit in the earlier few years. And it's true. And, and there's questions around just how dedicated he is to just like, he's a guy that when he's on his game, just playing really hard, playing really good then he's just uh, maybe one of the best guys in the league. And then the thing is, there's other games he just you just don't know if you're really getting that same guy. So that, that's the tough mm-hmm. part. Giannis, I mean, you just clear out everything you can. Like, I mean, the thing is, okay, so Embiid and Bradley Beal, they signed their extensions. I think they're basically locked in for another few years. What what the, 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 the Sixers, though, I mean, before the shutdown – they were seeing that the, the play that the team was doing better without Embiid, so it's like okay, Ben Simmons is sort of thriving. Maybe him and Ben Simmons can't really play together now. Um, it's almost there's there that is kind of a legitimate market for in Toronto for a center like Embiid because I mean right now they're just interchanging with Serge and Mark, and um, and I think that they're kind of they're not going to be around with the Raptors for that long. There's going to have to be some kind of movement there. Um, with Giannis, you, one thing you didn't bring up, but it doesn't actually get uh, brought up too much, is the Nigerian connection between uh, Giannis and Masai. I, I do see a pop-up on like my feed that off, kind of here and there, about Giannis to Toronto. Question, like, are the Toronto media talking about this quite a bit? Like, do they yes. keep saying that? Okay, because I wasn't enough, sure. I mean, enough. Was, they're, they're, enough. They're saying it enough. Yeah. It wasn't just I'm like seeing... one guy wrote one article. It's like... No. Okay, so my view on this is, um, because I want to address, is like, number one, um, you you make a compelling point. Like, I've made that that similar point about why Pascal might never leave Toronto. Uh, You know, a great city, very um, generally comfortable for immigrants, for people from other countries, and particularly also, like, like you have with Pascal and would be the case for Giannis. Um, Both African communities and uh, Greek communities kind of thriving in Toronto. I think uh, the thing is, okay, he is going to he he will be eligible for the supermax like this after this off season, and it's like you know you just he's going to sign it. You know what I mean? Like it's just I don't see why he. First of all, like there's been no indication that he's not happy with um, Milwaukee, and also I think a lot of the media that keeps playing this up about well, so and so might leave, so and so might leave. Like a lot of these guys too, like they come to the team first, they want to get paid. They're big their big get their big payday so they're gonna they're gonna sign the contract and also too like they've 
they've created like a pretty good system and team for him. He's got like a strong competitive streak. Like he's not really going to be like, all right, I'm out. Like he's kind of, bit, he's a bit old school that way. Like there was that story about how LeBron invited him to train with him. That's what he does with like some of the up and coming players. And a lot of the guys jump at it because they get to, you know, train with LeBron and play with LeBron. But the, what LeBron's really doing, he's probably getting a chance to scout them. And then uh, Giannis turned it down. Like he basically, his mentality was, why am I, I'm competing against him. Why am I going to train with him so that he can basically learn, mm -hmm. like learn how to, you know, compete with me and learn how to learn my kind of uh, my weaknesses. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. So then, um, um, I I think that I think more likely than not he's going to stay. And then on top of all that is um, the fact that the salary cap is going to take a hit because of the COVID uh, the shutdown, and mm -hmm. we don't know what next season is going to look like. So when the when the cap basically when the basketball related income drop starts dropping, and it already was dropping because of the. Uh, the Daryl Morey tweet, they were, I think the league was going to lose $200 million because of that. So when they drop even farther because of the shutdown, what's going to happen, I think, is it's not going to be like a few years ago where players were just choosing between an astronomical amount of like basically a $200 million payday versus like 170 or is 150. It's going to, who we don't really know what the number is going to be. It wouldn't surprise me if it's dropping to like a half is from, from stuff I'm hearing. As a as a result, like if you want to just preserve your payday, you don't want to you want to reduce the uncertainty in your life. Moving around during a pandemic, you probably will just sign the contract and just stay in the apartment that you've had for the past few years. That's that would be my guess. I don't know. It's just like who 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 stays in Milwaukee though, right? It's kind of a bum town. I mean, yeah. I, but the thing is, is you're you're like you're thinking of it in terms of like people in North America. Like this guy was like living on the streets in Greece, or or he was like hustling in Greece. Like he was kind of homeless at one point. It's just like some of these guys, like Kevin Durant has said, like the, his kind of the one of the best times of his life was in Austin, Texas, like playing for University of Texas. And I think some of the Morris brothers were like in Kansas, or like it was the first time they weren't like looking over their shoulder and like where they weren't in fear. Like some like Giannis has built a home in Milwaukee and like he's got his family there. So we don't know. Like, I mean, right now. There yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like picking Milwaukee, on, right? I'm not picking on Milwaukee. I know it's so, well, but yeah, it's, I, I follow a lot of MMA and there's a lot of guys that are really proud of Milwaukee, but, but no, I no, mean, you're looking at it from like, from the lens of someone like from, from like, you know, America, like all these guys, like it's become a narrative of like so-and-so only wants to play in big markets, but like, like I'm saying like these guys from like, Cameroon and Nigeria and Giannis was originally from Nigeria and then grew up in Greece, but like, it's just a different, it's just a different life. You know what I mean? It's a different approach to things. So you're right. He might, he might just say, Hey man, Milwaukee's been good to me. And I want to, I want to give back. This is my community now. Right. Kind of like uh, DeRozan did with, um, with Toronto, you know, it, it, yeah. it, 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 it tore him that he had to leave Toronto. This is the city he wanted to, you know, supposedly spend the rest of his life in. So yeah, um, well, you just um, never know. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think that what makes it particularly tough now is the fact that the salaries that they were looking at, all the players who are going to sign or looking at are all going to drop. So, mm -hmm. like, if you're already taking a cut from what you were going to get as a, as a free agent signing with your home team, and then you think about maybe moving to another city um, and then taking basically another cut because the salary cap is structured so that it you will take less money if you leave your team. Like you just your your home team can sign you for more. Then it's yeah. like that's going to be quite a big steep drop from what he was originally going to make. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm just like I'm just generally skeptical of um, of any kind of 
pro theory that Giannis is leaving Milwaukee. I think that one I'm not necessarily. I that's, guess that, that's I not guess. the Toronto thing. That's like the whole NBA. I don't think he's leaving Milwaukee. Yeah, I guess back to uh, Brett's um, article that he, yeah. um, that he pointed out to us. I guess if I had to pick, I mean, the more likely scenario is we settle for Bradley Beal. Um, yeah. If we don't have to give up anything and we try and get Embiid and, you know, Giannis being the, the golden goose and maybe if they don't get him, I mean, you know, Toronto's as good as Marcus Gasol is. I mean, I don't think Toronto would pass on Joel Embiid to, yeah, to Marcus Gasol for another two years or Serge, you know, I mean, kind of, you know, Joel's kind of the man of the, the man for the next at least five to eight years yeah. and you don't he's younger you, i i don't i don't think i don't think marcus all has got another eight years of um no of, no of i mean NBA high level yeah well so. yeah no it'll be interesting to see so mm -hmm. so you know okay if we're talking about toronto and free agents or like who they can trade for and i'm trying to recruit players like the thing is is we talked about the loss, like what how COVID impacted everything. You know what their greatest sales pitch is going to be to all the players is, hey, come to come into Toronto. We flattened the curve. We've got free testing. We've got we've got like unlimited testing. It's great. Come here. Your kids don't have to wear masks. They can walk around the park. That's that's gonna be, that would be their biggest free agent pitch that they can make right now, given how everything is going on here. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's a sales <laughs> pitch. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm being facetious. I'm kind of being facetious, but I mean, like, you know, <laughs> that should be something that they consider. I don't know. I guess that's the only tempting thing is that these players, okay, they can come here. It's a selling point. They can play here. They can play for Toronto teams. And who knows what COVID's going to be like in year two and three. Yeah. But, I mean, how do you, like, as yeah. we're already seeing now with Orlando, I mean, these players just don't want to be in some sort of biodome bubble. It's Yeah, I, I, I'm being facetious about it all because the fact is, like, yeah. to be honest, if, we, if, if they're going to the next season and there's still this big issue in the States, I actually don't know how Toronto competes. Like, how do you no. play in Toronto and have, have players going back and forth across yeah. the border? The whole thing, the whole reason Toronto, the Raptors were in Florida before everybody else was because, yeah. like, there was an exception made for them because they couldn't get – it was not going to be as simple to just go across the border to Toronto yeah. and regroup there. So it didn't make sense. So when you have a regular season where they somehow – however they want to configure the schedule, whatever they're going to come up with, like what they're doing in other sports, like, I don't mm -hmm. know how the Raptors get to – compete in Toronto and then somehow still make it into the U S for their road trips. Like some, I mean, I, I think the more likely scenario is that Toronto, like kind of like what happened with uh, new Orleans and Oklahoma city. I think Toronto would just end up becoming a satellite yeah. team. Like they put them somewhere else like Seattle or something. Right. And right. like, you know, so anyway, but, but it is interesting uh, that Messiah and Bobby Webster, if, if Bobby Webster even does anything for Toronto, um, they can make those cold calls and, you know, maybe a free agent who yeah. stiffed them a year ago and is living in, you know, is living in Arizona or Texas or Florida. It's like, hey, <laughs> Toronto doesn't seem so bad now, eh? Maybe we can, um, maybe we can talk yeah. dollars again. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, Brett. Thanks for the question. That's great. Yes, so, thank you, Brett. Uh, for everybody, just just keep up, keep it all coming in. Um, Bay Heights Pod at gmail.com, at Bay Heights on Twitter and Instagram. We love to hear. From you guys and so we'll address any uh, questions or comments you share with us okay uh let's get to it what i was curious about was uh like examining like some players who 
like we've talked about the draft and what difference it makes for players. We've talked about sort of like Andrea Bagnani, who we're like, okay, well, I made a comment. Maybe that guy would have been superb had he been drafted on a different team. Who knows? Maybe the Mavericks if Dirk was never there. Like just different environments. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I wanted to say like maybe – so let's talk a bit about some players who like we think that they got drafted on – like if it's not a good team, it's like a good situation and they've succeeded and mm-hmm. we applaud them. And we think of, we think highly, we don't know, nobody's perfect, but we think they've had a stellar career and, mm-hmm. and what doesn't maybe get talked about is just how important it was where they got drafted. So, yeah. Who you, so who have you got in mind first? Draymond Green. Um, I'm not sure what kind of college career Draymond Green had or uh, high school career. Michigan State. I don't State. know if he was a score. Michigan State. Well, maybe, more. you know, well, well, maybe you know better than me. Was he a scorer in college? No, I mean he's always been this like, um, like what you see with him. Where uh, I, can't, yeah. I can't quite remember exactly, but he was not. I mean, he was drafted thirtieth, right? So, like, yeah. I mean, so so I think that um, yeah. So um, I think that to say that Draymond Green could go on the Detroit Pistons this year and they're automatically um, a playoff contender or a conference contender. It was ridiculous. He needed that foundation. He needed the the base building. He pretty much needed everything. He just might have been, you know, the maybe not the cherry on the top because he had a he had quite the um, quite an important role. But needless to say, that Draymond Green not being part of those championship teams, those teams probably still contend for a championship. Maybe they don't go all the way, but they certainly are playoff teams, and they're dominant teams. So, like Draymond. 100% agree like like the cuz just to kind of uh bring back like what what we're looking at is it's a player that you know they come into the league in a situation on this team like they got drafted they got signed by this first team and it's just the right situation so for Draymond he's coming in he's got Kerr I'm sorry he's got Clay he's got Curry as his at the backcourt he's going to work with he has Mark Jackson for that first year, but then Kerr comes in and sort of unleashes him in a different way. I think if, like he actually, Draymond, I think has come out and said it to himself that had, had he kept playing, had they not had Kerr come, Draymond might have sort of been out of the league. Like he just has a very special skill set for that offense, for that team. Put him on any other mm-hmm. team in the, in the NBA, uh, he's maybe a rotation player mm-hmm. first. You know, we think of him as an all-star. We think of him as a future Hall of Famer because of his accolades and what he's done for that team and big plays, big shots, big, like, just a very important role on a on a legendary team. But, like, people just assume, well, you had that success there, therefore you're you're great. That's It supersedes any other situation you could be in. But, like, I mean, I think if he gets drafted, like, one slot later, one slot earlier, he gets drafted, say, by whether it's the Spurs, whether it's, like, the Raptors, I don't think we get the same dream on green. I don't think he gets the same kind of accolades and he's going to be enshrined in, in uh, Springfield. I don't think that happens. Do you? No. And, and, yeah. and it goes to, yeah. yeah. Now. Yeah. Because he, there, there's no way, there's no way he's on a floundering team and you know, there's no, the writers aren't talking about him. Um, he's not even consideration for any all-star teams. He, he needs that team. That's first of all, he needs a team that's going to win what? at least 50 games a year is right. going to um, compete for, for um, too. it's a very special offense that allows him to play the way he does. Right. 
the two yes. best shooters of all time playing in a backcourt. Just these off-ball cuts. And then for a few years, he's got Kevin Durant, who's like the best scorer that ever lived. I mean, well, I'm saying, I think seven foot one hits a jump shot that he's his his uh his he's releasing the ball so high that literally no one can block that shot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so he's playing with those guys. Then yeah, I think he just he has a whole open lane. And we kind of see what it looks like when when he is because uh, when he is on his own because that's sort of what happened earlier in the season, right? When Clay and Curry were both hurt, and it's not all on him because it's the whole team. I get it, but it is showing like he is not, it's not like, for example, when, uh, when LeBron left Miami and then Chris Bosch gets to sort of resume his Toronto Chris Bosch where he's getting 2010. Right. It's not like that. Um, what I, what I take exception to is when people say that, and I think there are players that you can say that about, but not Dennis Rodman and not Draymond Green that, or you can get these guys from a factory. And I, I really don't okay. think you can too. To accept such a finite role, no, to have a guy that's like, not what, yeah, that's that's yeah, not. But but but, that, but just, I think, but I think that argument is out there, and to say that you could, oh well, you know, if if someone with, someone with Dennis Rodman's athleticism, and you just tell him, listen, man, you 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 know, you're not you're not a scorer, therefore, just work on your rebounding, work on your, uh, you know, defense, on ball defense, and, um you know, you can help out a team and same thing with Draymond. Listen, you're the fifth option. So I, but, but I think that now the good thing is it's not the majority of writers saying that, but there is, there's a section out there because Draymond is so easy to hate. And I think a lot of people do want to diminish what he does bring to the table as that, Oh, anyone could be Draymond green. And it's, if, if there was there, he would have been there or, um, I, I really don't think that you can it's, just wash an entire – I don't think you can wash a guy's entire career by just saying that anyone could, could have been Draymond Green. It's a conflation of, like, the role, the responsibilities that they're seeing performed by X player and thinking because it's a special niche set, you can get anybody <clears throat> to do that set. It's overlooking that it took certain attributes and knowledge and talent bundled up in one person to convey that little, you know, those things, whether it's rebounding for Rodman, they go, well, you can get a lot of guys to rebound, but that's not the point. You're getting a, like a superb athlete who is mm-hmm. you know, doing all the things that really no one else is athletically capable of doing on the court in order to just get the rebound. You know what I mean? So that's somebody who yeah. quite frankly is probably looking at the stat boxes and just being like, oh, well, like you could just yep. fill these stats and they're overlooking. They might not even be watching the game, to be honest. Like that might be it. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, um, you know, my I love James Harden and I, you know, he's, he's top one, two, and three in, in the world. But um, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's not a defensive. He's, I don't know if his defense is terrible, but it's 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 not good. But, you're right. People who look at the stat box don't even know that. Don't even know that that's part of his game. And again, when when defense when defense isn't compelling as offense in this sport, um, then you're then guys like Draymond Green and Ben Wallace and Jason Williams, the the other Jason Williams, the the, the New Jersey Nets, Jason Williams. Mm. Um, 
guys like that are always going to have to kind of justify their worth in a way that um that the scores don't have to right because they show up on multiple times on a stat sheet right and that's that's often to their detriment when people are considering them as you know one of the best one of the best in the game because basketball pretty much is 50 50 it is it is offense defense yet you know we just you know we take it for granted that sometimes you miss shots because there's a player on the other side making you miss the shot it's not always it's not always just because you miss the shot because percentages dictate it that way there's 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 probably a rhyme and reason to it so Hmm. okay i'll uh i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it now to uh bring up somebody else is that right go for it so uh Dwayne Wade Miami Heat ah. I'll tell you how <laughs> he gets drafted by Pat Riley right who mm-hmm. is the dapper don he has got championship history with the Lakers he led a really good Knicks team like I mean that was really the last great Knicks team right led by Pat I mean yeah Jeff Van Gundy was there I mean forget Jeff Sorry, I mean, it's Pat. Um, and then Pat comes to Miami, basically builds the Miami Empire. And, you know, Dwayne joins. And then we, I talked earlier in a previous podcast where I talked about good infrastructure, good culture. That was kind of one of the running themes I said about the Raptors and what they lacked, right? Good management, good culture, good people. The Miami Heat, by all accounts, have that. Like, they are basically like the investment bank of – like a top tier investment bank where they get good talent, they bring them in, they wind them, they dine them, they work them hard, they expect a lot. And that's just sort of, they, they, they basically say, this is the big leagues. You're going to conduct yourself like a professional. And you can kind of see it like they, you know, like Pat Riley runs it like a real shop like that. And then he orchestrates like, you know, star talent. He brings in Shaq, very instrumental. And, and like, um, Gary, I know Gary Payton was in his older years. Alonzo Mourning. I mean, a lot of these guys were veterans, but like that was there was. I mean, it was a championship team. It's a bit of a forgotten championship in a way, maybe because you know it's true they weren't necessarily like the best team to to win it in that really in that year. And but like I think for Dwayne Wade, we look at him forever different because he's been a champion. Now let's like, look at it for a bit first. There is the pre-LeBron years, then there's the LeBron years, then there's the post-LeBron years. The pre-LeBron years, a good chunk of time he was spending with Shaq, who was still relevant he, uh, post-Lakers, right? And so he gets to learn from the big man. He is being groomed by Pat. And then later Spo is like, who's third cut, cut in Pat's vein. It is a top-notch organization. So it has that going for him. So now he's a young guy. Yes, he's a talented guy, but he wasn't like he he wasn't. Um, yeah, he was top of the draft, but I mean, he was kind of somewhat under the radar to a degree. Like he just had that grit um, in him as a player and sort of muscled his way in. And then he ends up in a good situation. Uh, and then okay, fine, he wins his championship. And then we think, well, is this guy actually more talented than LeBron because he won a championship and LeBron hasn't been to the finals yet? Or mm-hmm. at this point, he might not even have. Well, he might have. No, he that. wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, Dwayne Wade won won his first uh, championship in the finals, and LeBron only made it the next year. 
And I, I mean, LeBron had struggled to even get to the playoffs for a few years, right? Yeah. Carmelo had. Yeah. So, so there was real conversations. Oh, Dwayne, like we, he came out of nowhere. We didn't really see him where he's coming from. And then, fine, the LeBron years come along, and you know, like in that first season together, LeBron is still kind of. I mean, he's obviously the most athletically gifted and the more talented player, but LeBron, uh, Dwayne was, I don't know, in my opinion, more clutch. Like he kind of or just more resilient. Like he would face tough situations and he didn't buckle. Dwayne was good in that first year. Yes, he was talented. But again, LeBron found his groove and then sort of just took off from year two onward. And yeah, people credit Dwayne for giving LeBron the reign and say, yeah, it's your team. I'm backing you up, right? So, okay, they make a big deal. as if this is some big deal. I'm like, I don't think it's really a big deal. I think this is the media playing, like they're playing their role and pumping up a guy that they want to get in, get, get get interviews from who is generally a nice guy to the media, which is Dwayne. Mm-hmm. And but really, it's just like, well, yeah, there's two players on the court and one guy's scoring a lot. Like the other guy's just going to have to defer. That's just the way it goes. I don't know why this is a news story, but whatever. Um, like then, like the Heatles are on a tear because, yeah, like first LeBron. I mean. Bosh, whatever. I mean, but LeBron's there, and then they win too. They go to four straight finals. Yes, Le- Dwayne's part of it, but people think of those really as the LeBron years, and that's how it's going to be remembered, I think. Because after LeBron leaves, Dwayne is in Miami. They like, I think they get to the second round, maybe first round, like of the playoffs. Like they didn't make a t- conference finals after LeBron left, and then. Um, then later Dwayne is a free agent, has a spat with the heat and then he goes and signs with Chicago and it's not, I mean, they're not putting it on him, but again, that Chicago team was a train wreck for whatever reason. They decided to sign Rondo. They had Butler, Jimmy Butler and Dwayne. And so it's like, it's not exactly the best fit for all these guys, but in any event, if you're LeBron, you're like a truly awesome player. You just sort of figure out how to make stuff work. Dwayne kind of didn't really have an impact there. Then after Chicago, uh, I'm trying to remember what happened. He signed with Cleveland, right? That's what happened. He signed with Cleveland as a free agent. Um, he was released. So he goes to Cleveland. Nothing. He comes off the bench, basically. I think they tried to have him as a starter, and then he realized, ah, he maybe doesn't have it anymore. And then, yeah. um, then midseason, Cleveland, you know, trying to, as goodwill to LeBron, they just say, okay, well, let's trade uh, my, uh, Dwayne back to Miami, which, to be honest, is not exactly a smart team move like when you need when you can get assets for Dwayne at that point in his career they just trained to Miami for whatever like because but like if you're Kobe Altman you should just try and get some assets it don't matter like just you're running a team anyway that's how that's how New Orleans did it with uh, Anthony Davis they just said we're running a team it's our team we're gonna get what we want um so Dwayne goes back to Miami and you know he has this nice little farewell like he has that one half season where they get to apply because he's back in Miami and then he comes back for his one last dance, which we talked about in a previous podcast. Like, it's like, if you take away the beginning of this career, it's sort of just like another kind of decent career, like a Joe Johnson or a, uh, or like a Stefan Marbury or like he, he benefited from, he was on a stellar team with a stellar coach with stellar hall of famer and Shaq. And then after that, he's just sort of, He's he's a good like Robin. He's a good number two, number three guy on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Good enough career. Deserves, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But the point of the podcast was this guy benefited greatly by being dra- drafted onto the right team. Yeah, yeah. He was drafted three. I think what the Raptors had four. They drafted Bosch, right? Yeah. 
Bosch was actually, at that point in time, it was debatable, right? Like, he was kind of a highly touted talent, too. The Miami Heat could have taken Bosch. Like, I forget. I know, I know uh, that, that draft was weird, right? Because I, Carmelo was like third, then like Darko Miltic second. Right. Carmelo was third. Uh, yeah, anyway, so Bosch actually might have been ahead of uh, Dwayne Wade, but, anyways, yeah. So if that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Dwayne would have gone to Toronto, the Toronto Raptors. In the in the Jose Calderon, uh, Andrea Bargnani years, I do not think mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade becomes what he is had he been drafted by the Raptors. I don't think he's good enough to yeah, maybe. the team. And so, I no, I mean, I, I'm like not maybe. I'm like 99% sure of that. Like that team was just not a good team, and that, that that's kind of you know. So it's unfortunate for Bosch that he got stuck with those guys. But like, uh, but Dwayne Wade. He would have got his points. He would have basic. We would have basically look at him like he is Monte Ellis or Eric Bledsoe. Had he or Trevor or what's the guy in Phoenix? Trevor Booker, Devin Booker, like Devin Booker, yeah, yeah. Like we would look at him like that. Had he been drafted by those Raptors, so great spin for him. Like he, the great like twist of fate that he ended up in the right team for him, and he's also got yeah. the right personality and work ethic. And you got any comments on this? Uh, yeah, I actually picked Dwayne Wade as well. Okay. I was debating between yeah, I was actually debating between so I was debating between Dwayne Wade and um this is gonna this is gonna make people laugh. Uh David Robinson. Um David Robinson's like the most okay. boring, like okay. toast with no butter, Hall of Famer, like everything about him is like before we get to David Robinson, his, uh yeah. Anything to add on uh Dwayne or you think that's pretty much so, a lot of what you said. Okay. He was fortuitous. He got drafted, and he had the uh, the accompaniment, right? So, okay. um, by the way, I think Eric Spolstra is like, uh, I, I don't know. He's like this. Um, he's like the supporting actor that gets all these like good roles. Like you just don't <laughs> know why, like Gary <laughs> Sinise or something like that. Like you know, uh, yeah. I just I just don't know. I don't. I, I don't. Know. I don't know if he's a good coach or not. It's not for me. But it is pretty hilarious that. Pat Riley sends, uh, I think he sends Stan Van Gundy out of town, right? Because it's like, oh, That's I think right. I can help out here. Forgot about that. Yeah. And even then. That's Stan pretty much what he said. Too. Well, because they lost the year before because they didn't oh. win right away with Shaq. They won because yeah. the Detroit Pistons um, beat them. But then they beat Detroit the next year. And that's actually where I give Dwayne Wade a lot of credit because he played really well against Detroit. Yeah. This is and not Pistons, he's not talented. This is not that. No, no, no. no. And, 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 and trust me, I know you're not trying to make that point because when I picked Dwayne Wade for myself, I was not trying to make the case that this guy is like, you know, oh, man, all he did was just, you know, get lucky and, and land on third base. Absolutely not. He had to put in the work. He had to be a stellar athlete. Um, I think he's probably better than what a lot of us probably – because I, I know – I heard Jeff Van Gundy once say, say that, oh, he's top three – um, shooting guards of all time. He just puts Jordan, Jerry West, and then Dwayne Wade. Okay. And he said it so matter-of-factly. Well, it got me thinking, right? Okay. How it got me thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. So it got me thinking about it, right? And yeah, he's just really unique. He's he's awkwardly athletic, right? Because the way he finishes at the rim and he contorts okay. his body, no one's really no one's really done that like him. Derek and Rose. his shot is his shot's actually quite interesting, right? Because okay. his misses are like you know, these nasty bricks or air balls. And then like, I feel like, and I've been watching Dwayne Wade a long time as of you, I can maybe like, 
when you think of a Dwayne Wade shot going in, you don't think of a swish. You think of these <laughs> no, like, three. Right. You think of these point. three rims. Yeah, you think of these three rims and ends and just, you know, spinning shots and and the way and his body language after it's just like, yeah, you know that was a good shot, right? It's like yeah. I, I I think he's uh he's a really interesting guy, put it that way. So you're right about Dwayne Wade. I think that the guys I think of, um, the the difference between Clyde Drexler and Dominique Wilkins is that Clyde Drexler played with Akeem and won his rings. And okay. because I think they were, you know, they had parallel careers, right? They were both scorers. They were both Hall of Famers. Um, but Clyde was able to glide his way to um, – Houston for those couple of years, get his rings. And we now think of Clyde Drexler as a better basketball player than Dominique when, you know, who who am I to say, right? And you're right about Dwayne Wade. I mean, is Dwayne Wade better at basketball than Carmelo Anthony? I'm not sure. Uh, But, you know, three rings, three rings carries a lot of weight. You bring up a good point that I didn't think about is like, so compared to Clyde, like, Clyde didn't have who did who came through Portland when he was there that could have been like his shack or whatever other well he had like Danny Ainge and Clifford Robinson and he didn't have much I'm actually surprised that those Portland teams made it to what two yeah. finals in three years yeah because they lost to Detroit and okay. then Michael won his first against LA yeah. and then so, but then the following year was it so yeah Portland must have had a decent team right but you don't really think of the trailblazers as being, you think of them as being a one player team. So good on Clyde, right? He got yeah, that's, those trailblazers teams. To, yeah. So I think if the, the arc for Dwayne would have been like many other players where he would have done his time in Toronto, basically Chris Bosch, he would have done his time in Toronto and then go to some other team that had a real chance of winning uh, yeah. a title. Like he yeah. might've actually just gone to Cleveland at that point, because like if he's from Toronto, He's like, I just need to get out of Canada. I need to get down to like whatever, play on some team that's gonna win. And LeBron's in Cleveland, and they were just in the finals like a couple of years ago. So I'll just listen mm-hmm. to LeBron because the narrative around Dwayne would have been, well, this guy is like, they may not even be a narrative because he would have been playing in Canada, and no one watched the Raptors at that point in time. So like, he might have just been like, I, it'd be interesting if that was reversed, right? Like, what would the coverage been like for Bosch, who would have been playing for Miami? And the coverage for Dwayne, who is a more charismatic guy than Bosch, but he's playing outside of the country. So it would have been interesting. To yeah, I think would have played out. I think Dwayne Wade would have made headlines because kind of he yeah. had the. Like, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, he'd be like uh, oh, Vince. I think, I think Dwayne Wade would have gotten a lot of. I don't see him quite as spectacular as no. Vince, but but personality he had yeah. that. Yeah, he had that he had that in-game dunking ability that would have gotten him some headlines and he might have been able to do more of that in Toronto because it was just him and yeah. you're right the the future looked kind of bleak it's like hey buddy this is your team and he probably would have done he probably would have played maybe a little bit different just to kind of get out of Toronto right so more dunks more shots um kind of be or a he would have kind of be a me player like you you just play worse when you have all the guards on you, right? Because you don't have as good a teammates like he did in Miami. Um, Maybe, yeah. Well, well, who would have known, right? I mean, he did. He did. Yeah, he did average twenty two points career. So uh, I'm I don't know. I guess we'd have to see what the drop was without uh, you know without Shaquille O'Neal, without you know Udonis Haslam and and Dwayne Wade and Randy Allen and Chris Bosh. We would have had to see where it was just really him. Like the years that we could actually say, okay, Dwayne Wade, these are the years that you were an absolute island. 
And these are the years that you had legitimate number two options or you were the number two option. Um, so I was going to, I was, no, I was going to bring up was more like with Vince part of, he was so marketable. He could put it, you could put him on any good morning. I don't know what TV shows we in Canada, breakfast television or good morning America. You, no, could, they're, you, could, they're you terrible. could team around Vince. Right. Whereas like Dwayne Wade, you can, you, Dwayne Wade's hosted the view. Right. So like you can, uh, you can put it. He's like John Cena, right? Like he, he's marketable as a personality. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. not really like able to do that, right? So Dwayne would have been interesting as a Raptor from that standpoint in Canada. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. So I think I think the position holds. I think we're yeah. So we do agree. Like his career would have been quite different. Just um, two points. His after LeBron left. LeBron left in the at the end of the 2013 season, I believe, right? And. Mm-hmm. Dwayne's numbers gradually start to decline. Like he hits mm-hmm. 19, then he gets the year after he hits 21.5, so which is actually better than the last LeBron year, but it just starts dwindling from 19, 18, 11, all the way down. So yes, career-wise, 22, which was predominantly like his first years, the pre-LeBron and LeBron eras. But after LeBron left, it just, I guess LeBron was a bit of a, uh, he had a bit of a crystal ball to realize that was probably what Dwayne was going to end up being. So he's like, time to get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I would, before we close up on Dwayne, it's interesting you said that Jeff Van Gundy, Jerry West, jo- Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade. I guess he just he doesn't think that much of Kobe Bryant. I mean, I think I picked Kobe Bryant over Dwayne Wade. So I'd have to I'd have to see where he considers Kobe because he, honestly, Jason, where people slot shooting guards and small forwards now, it's I don't think Kobe and anyone's. Is, is anyone's uh, small Kobe's forward? Been, but no, Kobe's always been a shooting guard his entire career. I understand that. I understand that. But p- people just like to slot players to make their narratives work as well, right? So, oh, okay. um, I'm pretty sure I heard that out of his. What he? Yeah, I'm pretty did. sure I heard that come out of his mouth that he's third, yeah. and I do, I'm not sure if he included. I'm pretty sure I heard him say Michael, Jerry West, and then Dwayne Wade, yeah. and because I remember, I remember the pause. I remember the pause in the booth, and he's like, "Yeah, I know who I'm leaving out," type of thing. So. Uh, that might have been just <laughs> Jeff Van Gunny being being a heel at the time, which yeah. you know he's he's well within his right to. But um, okay, listen, I mean we're we are going to get an opportunity to dissect Kobe's game one day, and you know there's there's a lot of people that weren't a fan of his game, and and the no, really. and like I was a fan of his and game. well, I was too, right? But the fact is that that ISO ball is is dead and gone. I mean, unless someone else comes along and brings it back, but. I mean, uh, okay. he was the last. He, he was the last of the Mohicans, and 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 for that reason, for that reason, I think that's why people, you know, the the Kobe Bryant game might not have Kobe Bryant the the legend, the NBA player, the the way he yeah. passed on. I mean, that's just you know, that's it's sad, it's heroic. I mean, it, it's it's Shakespearean, right? But the X's and O's to his game, especially the last of his years, the years that he, you know, really forced him out of the league. I mean, those were, those were not good years looked favorably on him. Right. And um, it's like, it's kind of like a boxer who maybe goes 40, and zero, but then like, if he's losing his last eight, I mean, you can kind of ruin your playing career legacy. I don't think Kobe did that, but I know that I know the knives were out for him in his last years as a Laker. And well, obviously we're not going to talk about him now, right? I mean, you and I can, but I'm saying a lot of people aren't going to talk about that right now um, yeah. in light of this year. But but there is going to be that conversation. 
in one day. And, you know, Dwayne Wade didn't really, you know, he, he, he didn't play like that. So I can see why someone like a Jeff Van Gundy might say, I value a Dwayne Wade over a Kobe Bryant. Okay. My guess is. Right. I mean, the argument could be Wade. My guess is Jeff just forgot about Kobe when he was talking and he's on TV. And he's oh, probably. I mean, that guy's. Um, there's not a there's not a single basketball person who's gonna pick. I don't even think Dwayne Wade would pick himself over Kobe. Um, well, no, he said he said it that much during the um, no, and that's the one thing <laughs> out of that whole emotional week that came out of the passing of Kobe Bryant. Uh, I think Dwayne Wade was so amazing. It's like you guys can take all your top five and top threes and top tens and just you know put it in the trash bin. It's like we and he kind of did the thing where he motions to everyone sitting on the panel. It's like. We don't give an F about that. Like mm. that that's for you guys at home, you little BR and deadspin nerds to, <laughs> to talk about, right? Because and I'm so happy that he said that, right? He kind of he kind of in a way, and I think I made mention to it on um on a social media post that I was so proud of him to say that because um you know it's like when a player like a Kobe Bryant retires, that's the first thing you you think of, and then you know, in and then, um, and then memorial, you you want to you want to see on what pedestal he lives. Uh, he he, you know, he's he's going to situate on. And Dwayne Wade kind of just said, "No, we don't we don't discuss that when you're when you're our level, when you're all eating at the big table, we don't have that talk, right? We don't have that top three top talk. We're all contemporaries. We're all peers. We all made ourselves better, right? We all won championships because of each other. So I'm really proud of him for saying that. So." Yeah, but you're right. I mean, probably, probably no one's putting Dwayne Wade yeah. uh, above Kobe Bryant, but you know that there are right because we are in a contrarian. Um, Fair enough. Times, tell yeah. Me, tell me about David Robinson. So David Robinson is just this. Um, everything about him. Um, the more I learn and read about him, and just him in this, um, even even a short little time on the Dennis Rodman documentary, which, as you know, I don't put too much stock into that because. These ways have these documentaries have a way of being edited where they can make certain people look a certain way, but yeah, David Robinson was just always so boring. I I kid you not, I fell asleep one time during um, a Facebook post where it was just David Robinson's fifty greatest plays, <laughs> and I think I got to forty five and I was out. Um, there's just certain players, certain teams like David Robinson, like the twenty ten Spanish national soccer team. There's a certain and and the, there's there's a there's a common theme with all these players and and teams that they're they're all very good. They just don't do it for me, right? So David Robinson never did it for me. And I looked at his resume, and it's it's impeccable. Okay, but I never thought of him as a guy that I I never saw him as I never saw Tim Duncan as being the guy that helped David Robinson win an NBA championship. I thought it was the other way around that, you know, Tim Duncan came, he was this mega talent. You never, and you that, said, hold on. You just said you never saw Tim Duncan as the one who came to help David Robinson win a championship. You thought correct. David Robinson. I thought that David Robinson, I thought David Robinson was the guy that, that, that helped like that. Tim Duncan was the A side. Okay. So for those two championships, as, you saw it as, um, I thought the narrative was wrong on on the first two championships they won together. Okay. Yeah, David Robinson was a sidekick that helped Tim Tim win it. 
Yeah, and and I yeah. don't, and I think he was, I think he was the fortuitous one in that situation. I think history kind of proved that That's because David Robinson, David yeah. Robinson did have a lot of years with a lot of. Now I don't think Sean Elliott and Vinny Del Negro were the equivalent to uh, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker by any stretch, but yeah, I just I just saw um, David Robinson's career was such a, I think it's the most pedestrian Hall of Fame yeah. career you can have. <laughs> his mustache, his build. I mean, I don't know if you heard this, but they had to force him to eat. Um, he wasn't getting enough protein intake for that massive frame. Is Apparently he was, like, he, 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 he had a terrible appetite. He, okay. he ate like a bird. <laughs> Just, I don't know, stuff like that pisses me off because <laughs> booty and I, I can't keep my weight down. And this guy is... You know, he was sculpted like a Greek god his entire playing career. And the fact that I have to hear these stories about David Robinson <laughs> being forced to eat is well just pisses me off. So side note, um, is, and I just think that even on Dream Team, even on Dream Team, I thought that I don't know if you ever saw those um footage of those practice sessions when Barkley especially would just run, he would just ragdoll Robinson and Malone, but even Malone would ragdoll Robinson. And I just thought, oh my God, this guy's starting. Cause I think David Robinson was the starter. I just, yeah, I just never saw David Robinson as just, again, Hall of Fame career, Dwayne Wade, Hall of Fame career, all these guys we've mentioned, Hall of Fame careers, but in terms of boring, pedestrian, um, toast with no butter, um, ketchup on a well-done steak. I mean, that's, that's David Robinson. So, um, and I just, um, the, it's, I'm probably wrong in what I'm saying that, 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 you know, he wasn't the A side and Tim Duncan's first few years in the NBA and that, that it was, it was probably, I probably have it the other way around, but it just, it just feels like it. It just feels like that, mm, you know, looking back now, now that, now that both are retired, I really think that Tim Duncan was the guy that, was was the guy that got Robinson his rings and not the other way around. So I actually was wondering that myself too, right? Because like uh like just separately I was thinking about that with Tim Duncan and David Robinson at one point that um like David Robinson has his whole career with the Spurs. Nothing really happens, noteworthy, and then Duncan shows up and then they win. Right. And Duncan then yeah. goes on to have one of the most illustrious careers. And it's really interesting because People view David Robinson as one of the 50 greatest. Well, maybe it's dropped now, but at one point, one of the 50 greatest ever. And it's like, you think, is he really just Chris Bosh before there was a lot more talent to compare talent with, right? Like, because basically that's kind of how Chris Bosh's career would have been if he just stayed in Toronto. Just like, okay, yep. 20 points, 20 points, whatever. Yep. It's really interesting yep. to me, actually, how you view David Robinson versus Chris Bosh when, quite frankly, it's like, it's really the same thing. But like... um like, do you think if if uh, David Robinson had been on a different team, he would have just had the, pretty much the same career? Because that's the thing, though, right? Is I kind of think that he would still be this twenty and yes, twenty points yes. score on some other team, yes. and just the difference here was okay. Tim Duncan showed up at the end to win him a title. Like, yeah, that was kind of it. But if he just Tim Duncan never showed up, it basically would have been like Arbanyani. Uh, this guy played about just over ten. Years. He basically has a Bargnani career. I mean, from- David Robinson was defensive player, and you know, he didn't he score seventy points in one game. So let's, I'll give the man his due. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, right. he I, and that was a big awards than I'm talking about. You're right. You're right. Oh you're yeah, right. he had yeah, and the 71 points was a big fuck you to Shaq because I think they were. It came down to the final game of the season um, to win the scoring title that year, and I think Shaq scored right. something like 30 or 40 something points, and then Dave Robinson goes off for 70 or 71. Um, but wait a minute, the yeah. Uh, yeah, like you look at all the awards he has, like. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize he won two. Oh, he was on the Spurs team that won in 03 as well. I thought he only won once. I yeah. Him. Okay. Yeah, no, he, he won in 03, but 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 he was, yeah, he was a shell of himself, the 03. But I'm talking about that first championship where. Okay. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, I, I, yeah, go ahead. He's a former MVP. He's a 10 time All Star. He's a four time All NBA yeah. first team. He's a two times NBA second team, a four time NBA All third team, NBA Defensive Player of the Year one time, four time Defensive Team first team. Four-time defensive second team, a bunch of other like scoring champion, rebounding leader, blocks leader, rookie of the year, all rookie first team. Wow. Okay, this guy's definitely he definitely has his accolades. But it's funny when I look at his stats, it doesn't feel like it bears out. Like how could he win? Oh, no, he's that? Just, just boring. That's he's just boring. Like there's no like he's if this was hockey, I think he did win Sportsman of the Year. If, if he was a hockey he did, player, he he did. yeah, it's yeah, he'd be winning the lady. Yeah, he'd be weighing, you know, David Robinson. David Robinson belongs to be a Walmart greeter. I mean, he's probably a nice guy. He, but he's just really good at basketball. But just but to be uninspiring. Honest, yeah. If he was born like ten years later, and you look at his stats, where it's like his career average is 20, 20 points a game. So it's like twenty four, twenty five, twenty three, twenty three. Okay, the fine. Then that one season is twenty nine. 27, 25, and then it drops into the teens, like for the half, the second half of the career, like. And his assists per game, they're all below five. His blocks per game, I mean, his assists, his rebounds are, okay, they're kind of around 10. I mean, like, is it worthy of that many accolades he has? You know, like, that's kind of so basically a you're, 10 player. You're speaking of a critique that I would love to do a podcast on, which is okay. 1990s bigs versus today. Okay. I can give you a hot take, right? I can give you a sneak peek into it. Okay, yeah. The One sneak peek, and then we can drop it. We can go back to the it. Only, the only guy I'm picking from 1990s to play in today's NBA is Akeem Olajuwon. Okay. That is it. I I want none of them. None of them could – they would all um, – <laughs> I think I think Valanciunas runs over all of them. All, all your – Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a sneak okay. peek into that. So – um, okay, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, so David, uh, so David Robinson. Yeah, I just, I just think that. Um, yeah, I, I can't okay, stress okay. it enough. Boring, pedestrian, okay. plain toast. Yeah, okay, that's that's okay. my David Robinson critique. But I, again, I, a Hall of Famer, like and yeah. an amazing basketball player. That's but how pathetic. Yeah, this, um, just to reiterate to everybody, to our listeners, like this topic is not about how good or how not good or how hardworking or how not hardworking someone is or how deserving. Yeah. Everybody's deserving. They all work hard. The point is, is to call out where basically fate dealt a friendly, hand, a good hand. Yes. They were playing poker yes. and they gave you a good hand, right? And that's what we're calling out. Like, how many of these players who excelled beyond what they might have been capable of simply because they were put on the good first team to begin with? Like, I like I just to kind of sidestep for a second before I go on to the next guy. Like, I um. Like I look at business school, I think of my classmates and 
Some ended up in great situations for the career after business school because it was like the right manager, the right company, the right industry, and boom, like you could just you kind of see it. Now we're like five plus years out, and you kind of see the true just what different people are accomplishing. And then other people, maybe it was like not the best situation. All of a sudden they're sort of stumbling, they're trying to figure out what's gonna happen. It doesn't mean it's the end of the road. Maybe you have to be a Chauncey Billups instead of like a Dwayne Wade, right? But like, mm-hmm. um, but this is what we're talking about, and maybe that's another podcast altogether. So like, we're just yeah, you guys figure it yeah, out if, and, wrong. But like, yeah, that, that I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just piggyback yeah. off that. To me, I think the guy, the the greatest individual season by one player who kind of was an island, seemingly did it on his own, even though he didn't. We know it's a team game. If, if Allen Iverson and his MVP year, his 2000, 2001 year is the bar, right? Where it's like, okay, you're giving nothing or you're giving very little. You're giving Eric Snow and, you know, an aging Dikembe Mutombo, and then it's 90% you on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. And then you have like, I don't know, a Patrick McCaw that just ends up on championship teams and plays two minutes a game and wins rings. So, what we're talking about, you and I, is players that are somewhere in the middle um, of both talented, yes, but also fortuitous and maybe more fortuitous than talent. But, you know, we're just we're in the weeds when it comes. Right? That's, what, that's what we're debating. You know, could they have been? And, and you're right to point out Dwayne Wade if he was a Raptor and if, you know, if David Robinson was. Well, actually, David Robinson was what he was until Tim Duncan came. Right. He was obviously an excellent basketball yeah. player. So want, I, yeah, he, I don't know if that's why I asked that question. I don't know if I 100% agree with David Robinson because I kind of think that, okay, the, the change was Tim Duncan came and got him his championships. Like the difference might have been he might not have got his rings. But if, if like if he were drafted by a different team, I kind of still think he might have still been a 20 and 10 player anyway and had a few playoff runs. His individual accolades may have been there, may not have been there. I still kind of think we would have seen him similarly. Like, yeah, but I think I think Dwayne Wade would have got his twenty points pretty much, you know, in a lot of places too. Um, I think he was okay, that good of a me, score. Let me rephrase that. Forget the stats. Um, okay. Like, like David Robinson in his era, had he been drafted on a different team, I think he he mm-hmm. still would have had the same kind of accolades. Um, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Perennial results. Yeah. Where he would have just been like, okay, great job. Maybe better luck next year. Um, yeah, he had the great fortune of Tim Duncan, like the best power fight of all time showing up and help like winning it. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. which by the way, this goes back to the previous podcast. We talked about like the, with a draft, like imagine like a good team sort of gets a great player and all of a sudden, boom, now they have a chance at a championship. Like there was certain special circumstances that allowed that San Antonio Spurs team with an injured David Robinson to end up at the bottom of the draft. But can you imagine if it doesn't have to result in your star player being injured that, you could actually be a good yeah. team and then you still get a top player and all of a sudden now you can can win. So yeah. that's kind of what I think is neat and I think would keep the, the league kind of interesting. It would remove the sorry, we're kind of I'm I'm kind of skipping back to a previous podcast, so I won't go too far. But David Robinson, Tim Duncan. Um, whereas Dwayne Wade, I just I don't know if he to be honest, if I could put him at the same level as a David Robinson, where I think that he can he can he can play at that level and be that productive and generate those results like wherever he went because it because i think mm-hmm. we've already seen where iterations of his career where like without Shaq, he didn't really do much until lebron showed up like he had that first round exit or 
whatever. You know, you know who I. And then you know who I. Sorry, feel before, about before you hold on, before you go on. Yeah, go on. After LeBron like left and he goes and joins, like he didn't really do anything in his career after that. Like so, I kind of think that whatever you saw without LeBron and Shaq, like that was what Dwayne Wade would have been. He basically would have been Tracy McGrady. That's kind of it. Sorry, so I keep going. Mm-hmm. I feel that about, and he's basketball royalty now and and whatnot. And, you know, Paul Pierce, I don't know why. I just think of him as, hmm. you know, two guys decided to want to play with him and they got, um, you know, they got a couple of, well, sorry, one championship and one other finals appearance. But, um, yeah, I saw, I think I saw Paul Pierce. Um, again, Paul Pierce was going the Dominique Wilkins route. Until he didn't, until he won that one championship, and then he made it to another finals, and now we just now he's just the guy that made it, right? He's the guy that you know yeah. um, he he true. belongs there, and I don't think he would have been. Um, this is funny how that one ring changed everything for him. I think Ray Allen was always going to be a, a great score and a great a great shooter, and he would have had his own. Um, niche in NBA history and Kevin Garnett, you know, really was always like you said, you you, you called him dominant. He was always a dominant player, and yeah, he also would have been a Tracy McGrady, right? Dominant just couldn't get his teams to the next level, but he would have, you know, he he would have been his his um his reputation would have been just fine. Whereas I think Paul Pierce, it was kind of it was kind of made in those two years, pretty right? much, right? and um, yeah. The, so what we forget. And and I don't want to go too far into it because I want to get to the next guy. But that Boston team, that first year, they played that Atlanta Hawks in round one that went to seven games. Mm-hmm. That was the Mike Bippy Zaza, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, Zaza I know what you mean. Pavlovich, and uh, I'm sure I mix his name up. Al Horford is a rookie. Like that team somehow, like, and then that was the emergence of that Hawks team that would have a good run, the Joe Johnson Hawks that would have a good you know, expensive run that didn't have a chance because they didn't get to draft anyone like following my draft methodology. Had they had some player like that, maybe they would have moved to the next level. But anyway, um, that that team took that that Celtics to a seventh game. And I remember like there was definitely because that was a narrative. Like these guys can't win. They they can't win. They had to team up. Like it was a bit of the narrative. Um, yep. And there was like, a, oh my goodness. Like if the Celtics lose the seventh game after this season they've had, which was a really great season. That first, yep. the greatest, the greatest turnaround. They went from like this team that was the worst team in the league the year before, to they pulled off some master trades to get these guys together. Um, if they don't win, what does this mean? This is incredible. That's what the narrative was going into that seventh game, and somehow they went to a seventh game in the second round too. I think it was against the Cavaliers actually, uh, and um, so they. It was just like they were not. Like, it's exactly as you described. They were kind of questionable. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, you know, just side note, I remember, like, there was a comment. It was it was at uh, Lisa Saunters or someone saying, hey, if the Boston Celtics don't win this game, this is game seven against the Hawks, this is, uh, it's going to make the Patriots look like just, uh, like, they're just going to, they're no one's going to talk about the Patriots anymore. That was the year that the uh, the Brady Patriots, who could have gone, um Nineteen and zero, undefeated, undefeated. Yeah, yeah. they lost that. That was the same year. I remember that. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, okay, last guy uh, I got, which is another Spurs, Kawhi Leonard. Um, okay, maybe it's self, self, maybe it's obvious to everybody, but 
I, I think that we have a tendency and the media certainly has a tendency to look at the results, take the results and then superimpose a narrative based on the results. Like, oh, of course, Kawhi was going to be awesome. Look at his hands. Of course, he was going to be great. Look, <laughs> he's the best two-way player. He was drafted like ninth or 10th. He played for San Diego State, which I don't know who other player, what other player came out of that school um, in basketball. Probably, probably, Ron, probably Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I mean, in baseball, is Bryce Harper. I think that was kind of one of the interesting things was that these two guys who were champions. Uh, sorry, Bryce Harper wasn't a champion, right? He went to. Uh, uh, he's not a champion yet. No, no, he left. Yeah, that's right. He left the team just before they he won left. The yeah, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Kawhi, um, you know, blue collar guy, just worked hard, gets into college. It's not. He's not highly touted. I don't know if he was a. I don't think he was a McDonald's All American. And then he ends up on that Spurs team, which has Manu, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, coached by Peak. Pop, am I forgetting anyone else? I can't remember if Bruce Brown was still there, but solid team. That's like the Spurs at like their their apex, really. I, I gotta think it's. I I think that's the best Spurs era. I think that when they were challenging the Heat, I think that was the best Spurs teams. Um, they were just they were playing like they set. I mean, they because that that team. I don't think it gets enough credit for them setting the tone for what the future NBA was going to be: shooting threes, moving that ball all around, ball movement, playing outside in, like. So anyway, Kawhi comes into that team, doesn't know how to shoot. Like people forget that he misses that free throw actually uh, before uh, the Heat like go on win that championship. Do you remember yeah. when uh, Tim misses the bunny, slaps the ground, he's super mad at himself. Um, before that, you're talking about the Ray. You're talking about the Ray Allen shot. No, um, I'm saying oh. Kawhi misses his free throw, and then no, I know, on, but but then but oh. Uh, I can't remember the sequence actually. How the which, I, I that might have been it. That might have been it. I, I can't exactly. Yeah, remember I remember. The sequence. I, cause I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And then, but, you know, it was but, the loose ball. Bosch tips it to Allen. I think Kawhi did miss did miss a free throw, like a minute before a that. I, I'm pretty sure he was a rookie at that point. So, I, or he was super young at that point. So, I mean, no fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like this is also goes back to what I said about drafting guys in the right situations, like in. You know, like when you're young and you play around veterans and leaders and men and they teach you how to play and you're playing in meaningful minutes, not throwaway minutes where you just score, how it shapes you as a player. That's one thing. So this ties into what I'm saying. It's a very fortuitous situation where young guy doesn't have the pressure on him because he's playing with three future Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame coach. They have a very good system and a very good culture. He's not being distracted by off-court whatever because he's playing in San Antonio. And... This team is a legacy of winning. They're not afraid of anything. He learns how to win from these guys. And Chip England is the, the coach in San Antonio who teaches him how to shoot, which became very important because he hit one of the most famous shots ever when he was playing in Toronto against Philly. So like, mm-hmm. um, I think that him coming into the Spurs in that time, and I know it was a trade. He was drafted by Indy, but that was the trade. That was Paul George for, uh, not sorry, Paul George, it was George Hill for Kawhi Leonard. Like, I think that the arc of Kawhi, Kawhi's career becomes quite different. Like if he stays in Indiana, like for whatever reason the trade falls through, like he plays very well. He plays, I don't know what happens with him and Paul George. Maybe Paul George gets traded. I don't know. Or maybe like maybe Kawhi gets traded to like a worse team, like the Bobcats or whatever. Um, uh, and I just think that he doesn't get the grooming. He doesn't get the de- development like as he would have under a really solid Spurs 
system. And by the time he gets to Toronto, he was already a seasoned pro who knew how to win. So I yeah. think that like, and then when he actually pulls it off, I mean, nobody knows they're going to win a championship. And then he goes and does that. You've got to think that he doesn't know he's going to do that at the beginning of the year. And the fact that he did it, like just added to his own ego and self-confidence that then he could just sort of roll into any arena and think he's going to own it, which I think is one of the most important things as a, as an athlete or quite frankly, as a professional in any field you're in, if you, the most important thing is you got to have sufficient confidence. So for that reason, I think Kawhi, I'm putting him up on that list. You got any thoughts on it? Anything I missed? I think uh, Kawhi Leonard being this lock for, I've never seen him as like a lock for, for like a guaranteed championship. I don't think anyone okay. is now. Yeah. So you're right. I I do think that because if he was, he would win every year that he's in the league, and it just hasn't happened. Um, I feel that's a narrative with of a lot of people. I can't stand the the genius of Bill Belichick half the time. You know, oh my goodness, he's a he's an oracle. He's a savant. I'm like, really? Why does he need cameras? Why does he just win every game if he's as good as you say he is? Right? He wouldn't. He technically wouldn't lose a game if you if he was actually on the pedestal that you put him on. Yeah, I mean, um, some of his calls didn't work out, right? There was that. There was the one where he let the other guys come and score. There was, well, he's, there was the other place. Well, he's he lost. To, uh, Brady. Well, he's lost three Super Bowls, and what about the years that he doesn't make the Super Bowl? I mean, yeah. Anyways, that's neither here or there, but. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with what you said, and um, Kawhi Leonard is—he's um, he, now his his impact is absolutely immediate. He's he's gonna add more wins, and even with his um, load management, um, I think so. When the Raptors did sign him, hmm. they thought, "Oh, this is this is exactly what we need to get over the hump." Right? Is that what you thought? So I think you're saying. Uh, or sorry, but no, think, what were you saying? You're saying that's what the Raptors thought. That was, I was clarifying. I think that's what the Raptors and what Toronto and what a lot of people thought okay, that when, yeah. when when they made that move that, okay, maybe they won't win the championship, but this should get them past this. This should win in the East. Okay. okay. Um, or at least not get swept in the East or, you know, the, the ways that they've gone yeah. out before. Um, so anyway, he was he was always going to be an upgrade. For that, I, I agreed. He, he probably would be an upgrade, right? Um, but you're right. I mean, but people just forget about Marcus all of a sudden and, and how important <laughs> he was, and um, which is why I think that if DeMar DeRozan and Dwayne Casey and Kyle Lowry had Marcus all for those years, maybe they're you know good enough to <laughs> maybe maybe not beat. Maybe not beat Cleveland, but maybe also not get swept as well. Um, okay. So I think, um, yeah, he's absolutely lucky. And and and, Kawhi, and people are also going to forget the games that Kawhi Leonard didn't play that great or had moments where he did have to rest a lot. Yeah. And other guys like Fred and Kyle um, yeah. and Mark and, and Serge did have to step up. I mean, yeah. Um, they make it okay. seem like this guy was like, oh, my God, you know, we Same just here. all went on Kawhi's back. And, you know, I could actually think of a lot of moments when when it wasn't it was the other way around, when he wasn't hitting shots and he would go on 10, 12 minute slumps. And, you know, the Raptors kind of had to bail him out at times. You know, I, I let me tell you, sir, I went to a Sharks game back uh, just before the shelter in place, which actually looking back is kind of ridiculous that we didn't just all just stay home at that point in time. But anyway, um, 
So I was talking to, we were at the, we were at a box because uh, like one of our contractors that we work with, they were entertaining us. They brought us, they had a box. So we were uh, watching the game. So the must be nice. Yeah, it was, it was cool. The Leafs, ironically, we were watching the Leafs. The Leafs were in town playing the Sharks. Um, oh, cool. It's not fun watching your hometown team um, when you're on the road. It's just not because everyone's cheering against it. They're all cheering for like, the exact opposite reaction that you have. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not a good feeling. I remember Bill Simmons saying he felt that way when he went to like a Lakers game to watch the Celtics or a Clippers game to watch the Celtics. And you just have like mm. thousands of people all cheering against your team. It's not a fun feeling. Um, so, uh, which actually makes me glad that I didn't go to the to the Raptors game when they were here in town in the Golden State back uh, just before the shelter in place. That was Curry's first game back. I was watching on TV. Oh, right. Like, okay. I'm glad I didn't go to that because I just, the crowd was just going nuts as Curry's just getting hot in, in the fourth quarter. And I was like, oh, that would have sucked. Um, I'm like sitting there with my We the North cap and it's like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's just not, it's not going to work. Uh but anyway, so I'm at the Sharks game. And so this guy, uh, the partner, and I, don't know, I was like, yeah, I'm from Toronto. And then he's like, yeah, he's, he's from the, he's a partner from the, the SoCal office, like LA. So, and then I don't know, I'm um, talking about hockey. He's, oh, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, I'm probably a bigger basketball fan, whatever. So, and then uh, it's talking about, yeah, uh, forget how it came up exactly, the exact dialogue about the Raptors and, and all that. It's like, yeah, you know, the, um, something well let's see how they do this year because you know like they won last year but i don't know about this year I'm like well and i i made the comments because i follow the sport i'm not sure he follows the sport well he's from la so hopefully he does i said people forget that the raptors had a pretty stellar winning record without Kawhi throughout the whole regular season when Kawhi was missing all those games two mm. of those games were it's not two of those games. One of those games was with the Golden State Warriors on the road in Oracle. The Raptors straight up just won that game. Like, yep. it was it was like, people forget this stuff. Anyway, so I was never surprised that the Raptors were going to have a stellar regular season this year. Like, they were they were good enough. Um, now, Kawhi, it was interesting because when he signed, when he was traded, that trade was not popular, interestingly, by fans in San Antonio and Toronto. Like, San Antonio was like, what? Like, that's all we got for Kawhi? And then mm-hmm. in Toronto, they're just like, understand. I was I was in the same boat. I took a photo of my son wearing his DeRozan jersey, like just crying. Well, he was crying for a different reason. He doesn't know the difference. But um, <laughs> uh, it was funny. He got that jersey as a present from because we were visiting Toronto in uh, in in 2018. He got the jersey as a present, and then l- within a week, DeRozan got traded. <laughs> oh. so anyway, um, but then uh, another friend brought him a Leonard jersey so he's got both <laughs> so um but anyway like like that trade it wasn't like a lock Kawhi was injured for a year he's this I mean a chronic injury I think people underestimate too like how injured he must actually be on a daily basis like oh he's resting he's resting I'm pretty sure a professional athlete that has devoted his entire life to a sport that he plays and loves would probably just want to play that game I don't think you get to that level but being like, nah, I don't give a fuck about playing. I don't really care. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that these guys would all just play as much as they want if they could. Like when you're, think when you're 25, how much you want to just play your game. You don't want to, for all of us who don't get to play professionally because we're not that good, like how many of the guys want to just not be in the office and not do their work and just go out and shoot hoops? I'm pretty sure all these guys want to sure. do it, right? It's the most fun part mm-hmm. of what they have to do. Not talk to the media, 
not sign autographs, not do commercials. They probably just want to be on the court and play. So people underestimate how this guy has been injured. I mean, he's definitely worked a lot hard, worked very hard. And I think his, his, his start has really just allowed him to ascend to a point. Yeah. Like when he left Toronto, he's like the most touted free agent. Uh, and people think, Oh yeah, the Clippers. Yeah. They're totally off. They're totally going to just him and Paul George. Like they're, they're, yeah, fuck. It's like, it's LA, the battle of LA. They're going to, they're going to just roll through everybody. And I mean, maybe he, he has shown that he is very good. He is a very good player. He is the finals MVP, the reigning finals MVP. But I remember him as the guy that had to learn from Tim and Manu and Tony and Pop, mm-hmm. which is actually quite a lot when you think about it. That's quite a quite a great uh, group of resources to learn from when you come into yeah, the league. Yeah, sure. So anyway, that that's my take on Kawhi. Um, anything else? Yeah, anything it's fair. Else I didn't add, anything to add? You think we got it? No, I think we kind of ran the gambit. We part of why I like covering this kind of stuff is because. I find this relatable. This helps me sort of govern my life. Like, because like, like I mentioned, business school is an example. And like, sometimes it's hand you're dealt. Now that doesn't mean just because you get a bad hand, you say, oh, fuck it, I give up. I'm just not going to try hard. I'm not going to try and get a better job or a better salary. It just means, okay, now I've got my hand and I'm going to work with it. Now, it also recognizes that when you see some other people sort of like launching through their career super good, super, like just super fast, it's like, applaud it commend it that guy's talented he's running with it but it's also part of it as this guy got the right opportunity at the right time Mm -hmm. he's capitalizing on it all the power to him but like yeah it's recognizing how how like circumstance and fortune matters i like the fact that this is a conversation that easily gets turned into the goon shit we see on tv and radio where guys will just come out and be like Five luckiest players in the NBA ever. Dwayne Wade. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and 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 it's it's just you and I are just exemplifying how we can have an honest conversation um and really take a nuanced approach to saying, listen, Dwayne Wade is an exceptional player, he's a Hall of Famer, and we're taking nothing away from him. But he maybe benefited from A, B, and C at yeah, yeah. point X, Y, and Z in his career. And that's all we're saying. And we're, we're, we're comparing that to, say, other players who may have been afforded the same opportunities. Or if a player like Dwayne Wade was, you know, in, in Chris Bosch's uh, position. You know, in other words, the conversation that these other people aren't having. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that fact. But um, that's cool. I hope you all enjoyed it. It's bayheightspod at gmail.com. You can add us on Twitter and Instagram at bayheightspod. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Right? Anything else? That's it, Jason. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. It's great. I'll talk to you again. Uh, take care. Have a good week. Good night, everyone.